You're listening to The Above the Mug Show, a podcast that highlights people whose passions drive their life. My name is Lucas Spinoza, and I own a coffee shop. Every day I meet dozens of interesting people, and today I sit down with one of them to inspire you to live your life passion forward. What is going on, everybody? It's your friend Lucas Spinoza coming at you from my office inside of the Black Sheep Lounge. You are listening to Above the Mug, a podcast that highlights positive people, and we're here to show you how you can use your passions to live your life passion forward. Today, joined by an incredibly special guest, Conrad Davies. He is the general manager at Breakwall Brewing Company in Port Coburn, which is awesome, by the way. Uh, I've checked out awesome burgers, awesome beer, atmosphere is awesome, cool art, tons of music events, uh, and he's also a real estate agent with Royal Page. So kind of a weird mix because you think real estate and beer. Uh, but I, when you meet Conrad, I don't think it's too weird of a, of a combination. So Conrad, how are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm awesome. Uh, really exciting to have you here. Um, I think you're one of the first, if not the first, brick and mortar restaurant brewery guy we've ever for sure the first brewery guy right but i don't think we've had any other restaurant owners which is really cool so exciting i think we have a, a lot of similarities obviously there's some contrast as well we both come from uh kind of entre- entrepreneurial families right so i think uh this will be an interesting conversation so why don't we get into the topic i think i most people are going to be wondering about how did you get into the brewery business the brewery business well uh I, I guess it kind of all just uh, fell into place. I didn't necessarily uh, have a plan, like leaving university or uh, leaving high school. I'm like, oh, I'm going to start a brewery. Uh, I My first experience with craft beer and beer in general uh, was on a trip to Germany, and we uh, we went as a class, and we went to the Hofbrauhaus in Munich, and I really fell in love with like the whole uh, historical and the um, kind of um, – yeah, historical side of beer. And mm-hmm. uh, moving from there, I went to uh, Brock University for business administration, worked retail, worked a few other jobs, and then I got into the beer industry. And at the same time, my dad was opening up a restaurant that um, slowly merged into a brewery. So our, his original plan was to open a, bo- a bar, and I was working in the craft beer industry already, and it kind of all just came together um, after a sales meeting uh, with uh, – one of the local uh, brew house uh, producers in uh, Niagara Falls, Creveller. And I think that uh, one of the reasons craft beer was something we gravitated to because it was a great way to kind of show local history, um, produce something locally, and make something special in a small town that mm-hmm. hasn't really been seen there in a long time. Um, and there's stuff popping up just like in Welland and, and in Port Coburn. There's lots of uh, new business opening up, you know, you have the lock pizza, you have mm-hmm. Breakwall brewing company, you have, um, new coffee places all, all popping up, yep. um, in small towns. And I think that, um, I think that that's where the inspiration was for Breakwall. It was like, why can't break Port Coburn have a, a brewery? I think that we, it would do well there. And sure enough, it's, we're coming up on our second year anniversary, mm-hmm. uh, this month, this month. Which I'm very excited for. Awesome. Well, congratulations on yes, two thank years. You. Because you know what they say, right? 80% of businesses fail within their two yes. years. And you guys are nowhere near that. So I'm very excited that you're uh, you're making that landmark. You did touch on two things mm-hmm. um, that got me thinking. Uh, one of which was on local history mm-hmm. uh, and kind of the significance in Port Coburn. So obviously your name is kind of an homage to Port Coburn. Can you, for people who don't aren't familiar with the area, what's a break wall? Uh, and how does that tie in with, with Port Coburn? 
Uh, well, the break wall is like a concrete structure that protects the shoreline from uh, like uh, the storms. Like Lake Erie is yep. um, notorious for bad storms, and uh, the the break wall kind of protects the entrance to the well and canal. Yep, um, which has brought a lot of um, like it's a big driver of the economy in the area is the well and canal. Yep. And uh, especially for port, still yeah, active, right? Yeah, so. it's still very active. We have a lot of industrial sites along there. We have a cruise ship that comes into Port Coburn now as well, too, which is kind Sweet. of interesting. Um, but yeah, when we uh, we were originally going to be called the Seaway Bruin Shoe, and we didn't really, <laughs> it, didn't, <laughs> it didn't age well with us. So <laughs> uh, yeah, then it uh, we actually sent it out to some of the people that have already been following on Facebook, and we're like, hey, what what name do you like better, this or Breakwall? And it was unanimous it, break wall was clearly more uh synonymous with pork Coburn than mm. the Bruin shoe uh <laughs> and it's it's a great brand um yeah. anybody who's listening obviously there's gonna be links at the bottom so you'll be able to check out your site and your, your social media it is such unique branding for for beer especially craft beer because i find craft beer is a lot like coffee when it comes to branding it's either all about the alcohol count and so they try to make it as evil or badass as possible Mm -hmm. or they make it as hipster as humanly possible and and it's some sort of obscurely colored animal uh and that's it that's the that's that's the branding you guys have went with something not so much it's kind of nautical but it's not right it's very very modern uh but at the same time is kind of tooting your hat at, at the past. So I think it's a, it's brilliant for what you guys right. not only are offering, but for where you are, you're brewing out of. So it's, mm-hmm. it's perfect. The other part of that was, um, about how you wanted, how it was going to be something else. You guys yep. were going to be a bar. That mm-hmm. is a huge jump, yes. right? Um, people that think beer is like, well, what's the difference between a bar and a brewery? It's just making beer. Making beer is an incredibly expensive, uh, process to not just to set up but also to operate like your everyday items just to bring them in and, and brew beer is incredibly expensive because right. you need in large quantities of them uh so what was that conversation like with your family to say okay let's go from let's go from bar to brewery well um i didn't it wasn't actually my idea to switch from going to a restaurant to a brewery because i actually was never planning on moving home i was living in peterborough i moved from uh pork Port Coburn uh, to Peterborough with my fiance and uh, we uh, started our own little life there and then uh, my dad's like hey I'm thinking of starting a restaurant Uh, and I was like well that's really cool you should serve craft beer and then it's a craft beer bar and when I was working at the brewery um, shooting ideas back and forth it was like hey like this this is there's an opportunity here Mm -hmm. um, to really make something special and that was the last I heard of it and all of a sudden I hear back and my dad said, oh, I signed some papers. I just bought a brew house. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I was like, wow, uh, I better learn to brew some beer then. So I uh, started home brewing and it kind of all just f- fell into place there. But mm-hmm. um, I think that uh, uh, one thing I, I, I learned a lot from my dad is that if you have an idea and you think that it can work, just go for it. And uh, I mean, you can a lot of a lot of uh, what people hold on to is like the fear of it failing or the fear of it not working and yep. or not having imposter syndrome where you feel like you're not actually capable of doing something where is if you just jump for it and you go for the idea and you just do it um, you're going to figure out the smaller details along the way. And for we've sure. learned a lot since our first, like we're a different brewery from when we opened and we're a different restaurant from when we opened. We've learned a lot and we've grown a lot and our processes are, uh, have improved and we've 
got a great team behind us because when you start out a new business, you're everyone's new. Um, you don't have the staff that can support you in a, um, in a way that um, mm-hmm. you, the business needs. And now we we can we can go on vacation and not feel like for sure. Um, the place is going to burn down. So. And man, you are, you guys are leaps and bounds ahead to be not even hitting year two yet and already figuring this kind of stuff out. Like mm-hmm. we're about to hit year five in August and like that is to me is mind boggling. I mean, I'm so bald compared to <laughs> where, where I was four and a half, four, actually four and three quarters uh, years away from, from now. Um, but there's so many things like I'm still learning and thinking, right. why weren't we doing this from day one? Right. So like to, to hear you say that makes me laugh because I get it. Uh, but also it's it's just crazy. Like it never stops. It never stops. Yeah. No. Um, but it's all positive. It's a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing I do want to kind of reflect on a little bit is how similar our stories are. Right. Um, entrepreneurial father. Yep. Fred. Your dad? Yes. My dad, Rick, mm-hmm. entrepreneurial father. Right. Spinoza's Bakery has been going 18 years, yep. right? Uh, 18 years this year, I think. Yep. 2002. Long time. All right. Mm-hmm. I was a baby when he started this yeah. place. And uh, I grew up in that. I worked with him all the time. I don't know if you worked in the re- in the restaurant as well. Did you? Uh, well, I once lied on a resume and said I worked there for 14 years, but if they, <laughs> if they did the math, they would have uh, known that I was nine years old when <laughs> well, I did the same thing. Yeah. Uh, cause I was eight when I started at the bakery, but yeah. the, the funny thing is my dad bought the building that we're sitting in, uh, which is now the black sheep. But at right. the time it was called times square rocks nightclub, um, which had a history, which I won't reflect on, but it had a history. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, he told me he was going to open a salon. I'm like, why are you opening a salon, right? Uh, but he's like, you know, you're really good with people. I was never much of a baker. I tried, but he's like, you don't like to sweat. You don't like to work hard. You should you should just schmooze the old ladies up front. And that's what I did. <laughs> and I did that for years, and I yeah. loved it. Uh, but he, he was going to open this salon, and I never understood it. My cousin was a hairdresser, still is a hairdresser. And uh, that, the whole plan was like, have her come in there. She can uh, she can do the day-to-day operations. I would be general manager of the salon, walking around, making sure everything's good, doing mm-hmm. the inventory, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then uh, she didn't want to go through with it. She had two young girls, and it just didn't make sense to take that risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now my dad had a building and nothing to do with it. And he's like, hey, you like coffee? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, you know how you said you wanted to do a cafe? I'm like, yeah. He's like, we're going to open in two years, and you're going to open your cafe. And I was 19 at the time, Right. And I'm thinking, 21 years old, I don't know. I had that exact thing you just talked about, imposter syndrome. I'm like, there's no way I can do this yet. In my mind, if I was even going to entertain it, I'd be 30. I'm not even 30 yet. Mm -hmm. But in my head, that's what I thought I would do that. And um, sure enough, we opened. And as soon as my dad told me that we were doing it, I started learning how to brew coffee. Same as you. I had no idea how to brew coffee when he said we were going to open a cafe. So first thing I did, I just started going to every coffee shop within a 10 mile radius, then 20, then 30, then 40, then 50. And now I'm out past the GTA. I'm going into the States. I'm going everywhere I can to learn about coffee and brewing French presses at home and then evolving into uh, more complex brewing methods. And here we are. And now I'm, I'm, at least in my own shop, I'm the coffee guy, yeah. right? Which is so bizarre to think about because six, seven years ago, I'd never made a cup of coffee in my life. <laughs> it's yeah. bizarre, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it is bizarre. I wish I uh, learned to brew beer uh, when I was uh, under the age of 19 years old because I could have uh, saved myself a lot of trouble at um, parties and stuff <laughs> like that. But, <laughs> Calling yeah. your buddies to get... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's funny uh, that you kind of went through that same uh, process because as soon as I found out that I actually... And I convinced uh, uh, Tegan, my uh, partner, that we were going to move back and I was going to be a part of this, I... Uh, 
went to our brewer uh, who, at the brewery I was working at at the time. I was like, hey, I, I want to learn how to brew beer. And he, uh, like, I went from literally ground zero. Like, I had no idea what mm. even the process was. I didn't know what barley was. I didn't know what, like, really what hops were and what they did in the beer. I just knew that. You I heard liked, of them, but you didn't yeah. know how they interact with uh, the How process. they interact, and I had no idea what even, to zero, bl- blank slate. And uh, I think that... Um, something that you probably share as well. I love learning new things. Mm-hmm. And um, once I started to learn about it, I just kept diving deeper and deeper and deeper until um, this year or this past year, I actually brewed a full brew on the system, my own recipe. Um, I w- brew, followed it from brew day until packaging and I um, did the whole process. And that was kind of like a moment of um, like kind of triumph for me because I was like, I started making swine for beer like it was really bad and uh and then i now i'm brewing uh what is now our highest rated beer actually on uh on untapped that uh i designed and then i brewed and, and what it, is that that was the Lockmaster new england ipa so so you say was so it's not available it's not available anymore so one of the things that like uh, that's different about beer is like we brew seasonals all the time of course then we're constantly changing our lineup mm-hmm and that was a one-off, and it was a really expensive beer to make yeah. because I didn't, I uh, uh, spared no expense on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my brewer's like, "Yeah, we can't brew that again because it's just too expensive to." to and he's, like, it's funny because he was the more uh, one concerned about the cost there. But <laughs> yeah, I think that if anyone that's like thinking about like, um, was like, "Oh, I really want to do this. I'm really passionate about," and it could be anything. It mm-hmm. could be making s- sandwiches. Could be a coffee it could be baked goods it could be anything it doesn't Mm -hmm. even have to be it could be finances if you like helping people um um plan their future like there's so many things that people could be doing that they're maybe just afraid to like put themselves out there as um uh like willing to help or willing to do it like i remember before i started um I, i worked like after university just like probably a lot of other kids my age I just worked retail I was worked at Best Buy for like two and a half years yeah because I couldn't find a good enough job where I was getting benefits and I had some um, a wage steady hours and Best Buy was kind of the only thing that I could really really find and mm-hmm. it was kind of discouraging but during that period I um started like coaching powerlifting and I um was gonna open um buy a gym actually that was already running and I was really passionate about that and I ended up um coaching uh or one of the coaches for a Team Canada powerlifting. In, oh, amazing. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, I w- went over to Belarus. I've been to Finland and stuff like that. Dude, pretty, that's so sick. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I uh, You got to post shit more often. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I actually don't do a lot of it anymore because mm-hmm. I've kind of dedicated all my time to the brew house and now real estate. And one of the things with that was I was very passionate about it, but I was a little bit blinded by the um by that passion because I wasn't making any money. And yeah. at the end of the day, you do need to pay the bills and you need to contribute and it wasn't working. So I was like, I got to figure out a way to make more money. So and I'm glad you brought that mm-hmm. up because that is the point. Uh, that's actually the only criteria to be on this podcast is you have to make money doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people, there's a ton of people out there that have amazing talent, uh, incredibly passionate about the things that they do, but they just don't make a living on it. And right. so they, they still work um, doing whatever during the day, whether it's retail or service industry, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. But 
what I, what I'm trying to show people is that it's possible to make money locally right. doing what you love and what you mm-hmm. enjoy. Um, and there's always a misconception that, especially for people who don't know what their passion is yet, they think, well, if I don't know what my passion is, there's no way I can have more than one. Mm-hmm. But that's completely untrue. I didn't know how much I loved coffee until I got thrown into it. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it's easy for people on the outside to look at people like you and I, who have fathers who are successful in what they do. Mm-hmm. Misconception between successful and wealthy. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, people always assume small business owners or just business owners in general are loaded. Mm-hmm. Not the case. There is a lot of outside financing. Uh, there's a lot of personal sacrifice and putting things on mm-hmm. the line. Uh, but they look at people like you and I and say, oh, well, your dads are successful. So, right. you know, you yeah. got everything, bop, bop, bop. Well, Easier said than done. I mm. mean, it's easier now uh, to, to open a business than ever because you don't even need to have a building. You're at home. You can mm-hmm. sell stuff online, e-commerce. Right. There's affiliate marketing. There's so many different ways. And if whatever you're passionate about, you can make money doing that from home with a crappy HP off-the-shelf used laptop if you want. There's, there's ways of doing it. And also, you started from the bottom mm-hmm. just like I did. Our dads didn't give us everything. Like They mm-hmm. made us work for it. They pushed right. us. They taught us things for sure. Mm-hmm. And we have maybe an advantage in one way, but at the, at the same time, the business, just because your parent is successful doesn't mean it's going to run well. No. You, you still had to do that on your own. Right. You, like the day the black sheep opened, my dad went like that, clapped his hands, and I was like, oh shit, I have to run a business. Yeah. You know, and, and you like learn. Trial and by fire. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, I was putting in ridiculous hours in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like myself and our chef at the time, Jesse, was the only, we were the only people working for a 32 seat place. Now we're 52, but back then he was in the in the back i was in the front we opened at uh back then 11 a.m and closed at midnight so we were open for 13 hours him and i would grocery shop for two hours before and clean for two hours after right so we're looking at a 17 hour day six days a week the two of us you you know i think a lot of people don't like and and i totally can relate to those hours that you're putting in when we first opened up i it, I was calculating. I was like, just wanted to see how many hours it's like, <laughs> it's how do you work 80 hours in a week and then still have to go Monday, Monday to Sunday, every single week, no matter yeah. what. Um, and I think that that has taught me a lot and I'm sure yeah, it's huge. taught you a lot about commitment and hard work and what that actually means and how to be fully dedicated to something, mm-hmm. um, that you sacrifice yeah. and you sacrifice going out on weekends. And I mean, in the restaurant industry, I'm working every Friday, Saturday night. So it's really difficult to actually go out with friends. And my friends were like, Hey, I'm not seeing you. You moved back to Port Coburn, but I don't, you're, you're at the brewery constantly. And I'm like, well, that's what I have to do yeah. now. I'm actually in a much better situation because we built that team and, uh, I, I have a lot more flexibility and that's where kind of the real estate came into things where I was, uh, I was listening to some like financial advisors and they're saying, well, every, the average millionaire has at least three sources of income. Yeah. And um, not that my only goal is income, but I was thinking I have to find ways to make money while I'm sleeping. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And, and that's passive oh, income. Yeah. Passive income is huge. Mm-hmm. And whether that be saving on uh, my living or um, uh, like uh, rental properties, uh, a, a, a selling real estate and um, it could be a number of things. And if I think if you supplement your passion with a few other sources of income, um, I think that that's where you can really find a balance where, hey, I'm getting what I need from this, um, from the black sheet. But now I'm also helping my community out with being a counselor. And, yep. um, and I think that that sort of 
entrepreneurial spirit is what more young people like ourselves that actually need to do is find ways to have uh, dedicate yourself in multiple areas. Mm -hmm. And and you hit it bang on when you were talking about also income could also be considered savings. Right. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, we talked about this before we went live on this was, you know, living where you work, saving you crazy amounts. I mean, 30 to 40% of most Canadians wages go mm -hmm. into their home. Um, and that's very conservative. It could, it could be much worse than that. Sometimes it's 50% of their wage goes back in their home when it comes to utilities, if you count their phone bills and all that kind of stuff too, right? Um, and so that's one huge way to save is if you have a brick and mortar, live there. Yeah. Uh, another thing too is like, for instance, with this podcast, this is a passion project for me, which had I had no intention on making money. I just needed a break from, you know, the some of the stuff that comes with business and then especially with, with politics. I mean, it's yes. so negative all the time that I needed to remind myself of why I do what I do. And so I talked to, uh, to other people who not necessarily like-minded, but at least um, like-driven, if mm -hmm. that makes any sense. And so um, that was this. But now, you know, it's growing, and I can't say who yet, but in March we're going to be announcing that we have a title sponsor for this podcast for the whole year, um, a great local organization um, who has similar values. We both believe in each other's brands. Um, and it's not not to be making money because I'm not going to be putting any of it in my pocket, mm -hmm. but now it's going to make the podcast free for me to operate. Absolutely. So now it's not costing me money to do something I enjoy. No. So here you go, right? Mm -hmm. Now we're talking about doing something you enjoy and saving money. Imagine every time you went to eat, you didn't have to pay. Yeah. So that's a savings, right? Right. And I, I consider this the same thing because someone going bowling or axe throwing, this is the same thing for me. This yep. is a, the podcast is an axe throwing fun night or, a, or an escape room or a movie. Uh, and now it doesn't cost me any money. So just imagine that all your leisure was free. Yeah. Right. So there's so many creative ways you can get around saving money and making money. Right. Yeah. And I think that um, you're really you're finding a balance there because it's you want to you want to do what you enjoy. And if but you have to realize that you can't just do everything you want all the time, because if you if I chased every shiny object that I want. I was like, Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. And, but it costs money and it, it's, it's difficult sure. to do all those things. And I think supplementing that with a sponsor is excellent. And not to mention that, um, having a podcast and being visible in the community grows like you as a brand, like, um, yourself. Uh, mm -hmm. and I think that that's where putting yourself out there in avenues like this or in social media and stuff like that, people are really um, connecting with you, even if they don't see you on a daily basis. And, and mm -hmm. uh, this kind of gives you the outlet for that. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. that's why, um, most people who listen to this won't know what time you record this at. Yeah. I try to do this at the same day of the week, uh, at the same time, which is around two o'clock. And the reason for that is that's when we start to slow down after the lunch rush. Mm -hmm. So I've got, we're still open as we speak. Right. And I've got my staff out there doing an awesome job. Mm -hmm. Um, but it saves me money, right? Because right. if I'm gone myself, I'm also a staff member when I'm here. So if I'm gone when we're busy, the business will suffer for that because now people have to wait longer and their experience isn't as great. So just proper planning and being strategic. Mm -hmm. Um, another thing you mentioned that I think is important to highlight because, Again, the point of this podcast is to show people the possibilities, right. show them realistically what has to go into mm -hmm. it, and also the benefits from it. Uh, but you talked about how in the beginning, well, we both did, we talked about how in the beginning of our business is how many hours we put in, all the sacrifices. It's not over, still there, yeah. but it's different because, yes, now we have great support staff and great a great team behind us, uh, but what people don't realize is that costs a lot more money. So now the business, yes, maybe it's growing, maybe uh, you, you were able to put in an awesome new 
new patio like you mm-hmm. guys did. But that stuff's not free. No. So the freedom you have as an owner now to not necessarily be stuck behind the bar handing out drinks, um, you have the freedom to help grow the business now. So now you can focus on uh, you know, a high level, a big picture kind of tasks, mm-hmm. right? Like how do we grow this? How do we make this five, 10% more profitable for next year? Well, you need three people to take over your job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now you've got three more staff minimum. You're looking at a hundred thousand dollars in payroll extra. Mm-hmm. So now how do you make a hundred thousand dollars more to sustain their wages? But then on top of that, uh, grow the business to be 10% more profitable. It, it, it it's when you crazy. start doing the math on how to, the return on investment on those sorts of things like extra staff or um, extra piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. Um, People are always saying like, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? I'm like, because that costs a lot of money. And if you think if I spend $10,000 on a new piece of equipment, how, what are the sales that I need to get to um, make that money back? Mm -hmm. And it's a lot harder and it takes a lot longer than people think. And I think what, like in a business like this and in Breakwall in a small town, your your market um, is pretty s- small, yeah. and you're you're probably your best way to um, making more money would be to managing costs. Yeah. So, um, it, Port Coburn is only growing at a certain rate. It actually um, uh, shrank by one point eight percent, I believe, last year. Mm-hmm. But um, in general, the surrounding area, like Welland and uh, Fort Erie, Crystal Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, all those areas are growing, so we do see like we see a benefit in and that. People travel these days. Yeah, it's like twenty, thirty minutes for dinner or yeah. a night out is not absurd anymore. No, it's not. And I think that if I can focus on bringing more people in and mm-hmm. um, managing my costs and uh, trying to stay small but still grow, I think that's where the balance is. I, I'm not going to be the biggest brewery in Ontario, and I guarantee that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> because I don't think it's worth it. No, it's not. <laughs> you, uh, there's uh, some other breweries like that to you. Yeah. It's not worth it to you. No, right? It, no, I, that's I get, the thing that's important to remember. Yeah, it's, you have to know what works for you. Yeah, and uh, there's some breweries that um that are spending millions and millions of dollars in the Niagara region, and I'm just thinking, I'm like, how do you uh, get that back? How do you make that money back? And it's really difficult. Yeah. So if you can stay small and um. Uh, I still get what you want out of the business, mm-hmm. which for me, it's a passion project. I want to get to the point where um, I'm hanging out at the end of the bar more than I am slinging kegs sure. and doing stuff like that. Because I think that the best part about owning a restaurant or a cafe or a brewery in a small town is the people that come in and you Absolutely. get to talk to on a daily basis. Like I'm friends with all the people that sit at our bar. Um, you get to know your customers, you see them and, and, and now you're part of is really integrated in the community. And I think that that's the biggest thing that I like out of the, mm-hmm. out of the business and seeing people, Oh, you're doing this. I'm very excited about that. And having people excited about what you do, the things you're, um, the new beers you're brewing, the new coffees you're brewing, stuff like that. I think for sure. Yeah. And, and also meeting like-minded people. I mean, yeah. I, I, I want to say it's now been, I don't know if it was the first year or if like the first winter or if it was the second winter you were open, but I mean, we had a great partnership as well. Uh, right. Both our businesses. So, uh, break wall, uh, brimstone pots, yeah. and black sheep, the triple yeah. B, uh, we fresh pots, fresh pots, which that's was actually a, our second best rated beer of all time. Amazing. Uh, just so you know, <laughs> I'm really yeah. stoked to hear that. Yeah. Awesome. And it was, it was absolutely outstandingly yeah. good. I tried to stretch that pack you gave me for <laughs> so, so long. I, yeah. I tried to take like a sip and then leave it for an hour and take another sip it was so good yeah um but stuff like that there 
competition is different these days because people have less and less disposable income every year, mm -hmm. especially in smaller communities like ours. Um, you really need to know your audience. And not only do you need to know your audience, we're both in specialty fields, which means if we're going to be in specialty like craft beer or especially mm -hmm. coffee, you really need to have a good product. Right. Uh, and it needs to be consistent because yep. where small businesses fail, especially in food service, uh, is the lack of consistency. And that's where we screwed up in the beginning is our hours were wonky. Uh, the oh, menu yeah. changed too drastically. We still change our full menu every three months, but now we keep classics on. Uh, we keep some favorites or at least a similar theme because, you know, someone would come for a burger and then next week, next month, all they could have is risotto. And they were so, so <laughs> they, were confused, very, they were confused. Right. Yeah. And so people need some structure. They need some consistency. Yes. And I think that's what you guys figured out really early, which is awesome, is that brand is so, so solid, so consistent. I know you're making changes. Yeah. And I think that um, it's funny because you're saying a lot of the things that I'm already thinking is that we are doing a new menu launch for our uh, second year anniversary and uh, we had my father, our kitchen manager, Max. Um, we all put her in our brewer, Dean, who actually is um, really into food. He uh, He's going to be doing a food blogging soon. When cool. he, he, he's moving to Niagara. Just sold him uh, his first house, which was kind of cool. Is that what was posted today? Uh, no. Because I saw there was a sold sign. Uh, on your no, problems. that was um, my, the hometown real estate team. Uh, awesome. We, we just... We're a new team uh, that just uh, kind of formed together. It was the first sold sign. Well, congratulations on yeah, that, too. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, there, you, we were battling the other day because perch, the cost of perch is going up, and we're like, well, do we want to keep that on the menu because we're going to have to charge a lot more for it to still uh, maintain a, the, a reasonable margin on the on the food item and you, you battle it out to keep those items that I know a lot of our customers really enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I think that when, if you remove something that a customer wants and they're expecting when they come in and you no longer have it, that's very upsetting to them for sure. And people get mad. And I think even in, uh, the, uh, the seasonal beers we brew, we'll brew a seasonal like maple lager that is coming out for our second year anniversary. People really love that beer and they want it on all the time. But I say, hey, it's difficult to make. The maple syrup is difficult to source. It's a lot of maple and syrup. Outrageously expensive. Super expensive. <laughs> and uh, not to mention, that would make it less special, I think, if we had it all year round. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it's finding that balance on uh, ch making positive and productive change, but also um, st sticking to what you've already built a good business off. We, we were thinking of moving in having a risotto or, or a pasta or yeah. doing some uh, higher end dishes, but we're a burger and pizza joint. Mm -hmm. And with um, some other specialty items like perch or beef on whack and stuff like that. But I think burgers and pizza are awesome and I yeah. want to eat burgers and pizza every week. And so, with beer, it makes sense. Yeah, it does. it does. It really does. And there's so many ways to be creative about that too, right? Is having beer pairings with your, with your dishes. Mm -hmm. You know, you get your brewer and your kitchen manager to come together and brainstorm a little bit and, and come up with some creative pairings. One thing that we, uh, are kind of in the process of doing, we've launched a few items, but, um, more coming up because our five year, we have a huge, uh, huge plans for this year, this entire year. We have 
Mm-hmm. Every month, we're basically launching a new thing from a new site, new social media, a big announcement coming in April uh, that's going to change the look of the building, which will be really cool. Um, but anyway, uh, this one thing we're doing is now offering some items without sides. Right. Uh, because before, when we first opened, we needed to make some more money because the business wasn't profitable mm-hmm. enough to pay for our just basic costs. Right. Um, because it was too big of a space for the type of product we were selling. So one thing that we did is we asked our customers, what would you be willing to pay more for? And they said, well, if we could have a full meal here, that would make sense. Because in the beginning, we were all snacks. Uh, And so we started offering some really fun sides. But again, we got too ambitious with things like, um, you know, (laughs) even arancini. We're doing like risotto balls with bocconcini inside or mozzarella, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just too much for what we were. So now what we're doing is like, for instance, we have a a really cool, we call it the five minute breakfast wrap. Mm -hmm. So you can come in and just like if you're waiting in a Timmy's drive through, you can have a a better breakfast wrap for the same price and 10 minutes faster. Because have you ever tried to get a a, a sandwich or a coffee at Timmy's at 8 a.m.? It's ridiculous. You're in, yeah, you're in, even if you go inside or drive through, 15 minutes mm-hmm. minimum. So now we're trying to offer these things. So now you can actually have a, a full breakfast meal for $7. And you have the convenience of the speed. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. a great idea. And you're kind of trying to capture a different mm-hmm. market. Like they're already your customers. A lot of like I've but been getting to, them I, to come more than once. Yes, absolutely. And in, in, in maybe going out of their way a little bit, but you end up saving time because you're not waiting in the drive through at exactly. Tim Hortons every single day. I think that... Um, it's one of the things about craft beer is it's more expensive than uh, your traditional like macro uh, macro beers um, like Bud Light, Budweiser, Coors Light, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But at, if you actually look at if if your only measure of cost is the amount of alcohol in the drink, we're actually it's not that much more expensive than. Um, your standard beer. That's right. Um, so if I go to out to uh, my local dive bar and I pay four four dollars for a bottle of Bud Light, I mean, yeah, that's great. But that's three fifty five milliliters, and ours is five hundred and thirty four milliliters. So and it's it, almost the same yeah, price. Yeah, and and I think consumers have difficulty kind of um, seeing that. And mm. but yeah, I. It, I don't I don't know where I was going with that, but that's okay. <laughs> but no, it's yeah. it's all about. Um, Perception, yeah, right. No, with, yeah. with customers and how they how they view the business, and that's why when you make changes, they really need to be strategic. Um, yeah. And also, patience is key because one thing that I was super guilty of in the beginning is we'd make a change that everyone was asking for, and then after a month, it wasn't working. In my head, it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that's it. We can't do it. We're losing too much money. Right. But then people will come in six months later and say, Hey, did, weren't you doing this parfait? And then yeah, we're not <laughs> doing parfaits anymore. Oh, well, that's yeah. weird. So you have to stick to it. You got to be committed really to that do. idea. Um, I, we have the, uh, an example of that is like our brunch. So um, after um, our new menu launch, we're going to be doing a brunch every Saturday and Sunday. We've tried to implement the brunch a little bit on for the weekends. And it's just like sometimes our specials weren't hitting the mark. Um, we It was adding a whole new menu every single weekend yep. during the day, which is really hard to <laughs> yeah, implement. So <laughs> and then it's kind of fallen off. And uh, like the other day when I was at the polar bear dip and a customer come in and she's like, you, you posted that you had eggs Benedict, but I've been in three times and I haven't been able to get eggs Benedict. And I was like, you're right. That is totally true. And it's confusing for customers yep. when you're trying new things and you're kind of throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I think that I, I've, You've probably done a million things. I've, I've tried a euchre night. I've tried uh, um, uh, 
the open mic nights and yep. all these things. And some open mics do pretty well in the summer, but then they die off when the students are away. For sure, man. And uh, the one really good one that has stuck is trivia. I've last night we were almost over capacity. I don't want to say we were over capacity, but <laughs> no, the fire <laughs> there was really close. Listening. Every single chair that we own was filled with a person and that's yeah. awesome. And that was an event that stuck and we're going to keep that as long as uh, people keep showing up. For sure. But I think as a, I, sometimes even with my staff, I'm, Hey, I'm going to try this. I'm going to see how this works. And they say, that's stupid. And I'm like, it could be stupid, but I want to make sure that it is. I know that it's stupid, and after we'll be able to learn. Oh, that was stupid. Yeah. That, I, now I know for sure that it didn't work. For sure. And you have to learn your own lessons, and you have to like kind of um, get out of your own way in a sense of just going for it and trying it and seeing how it does and make it's not try things willy nilly, but really uh, see what works and try new things and don't be afraid of things failing. If you try to, uh, a euchre night and it doesn't work, so what? You, yeah. you gave it a shot. And speaking of the witch, uh, a Crokinole night. Uh, a lot, not a lot of people. I don't even know what yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah, you don't even know what Crokinole is. And I was like, oh, we should do a Crokinole night. That would be fun. And sure enough, it, it blew up. And we filled the place on a Monday night. And what is, is it a game? It's a board game. And you, you flick little discs. At, it's like shuffleboard, but tabletop. Okay, I've seen it's it. It's like yeah. an old uh, Canadian uh, cottage game that... Um, everyone has one at the cottage and it, people, it was kind of uh, nostalgic for Especially people. Especially in port, right? A lot yeah. of those guys do have cottages. Yeah, right? absolutely. So, well, man, I could do this forever. I want to make sure we touch on a few things because we're coming up absolutely. at the end here. So you had mentioned a few times about your two-year anniversary. Yes. Is there a specific event day or event weekend that people can come and check it out? You So um, the weekend of the 21st, 22nd, 23rd, mm -hmm. we'll have our new menu that is being launched. Um, what you can expect from that is uh, more more burger options on the actual menu, mm -hmm. more pizza menus on the actual menu, more appetizers, more shareables. So we've kind of just taken what our uh, menu was already and just um, puffed it up a little bit and giving Sweet. more variety because um, our we do our burger features every week, but we wanted to make sure that people could have a burger that was on the menu all the time. So we've added uh, a bunch of variety there. We'll have two beers coming out. The Maple Lager um, will be out on the weekend of the 22nd. And then the weekend after, we are going to be launching our 9 o'clock Curfew Breaker IPA, which is a spinoff of one of the other core beer brands that we've uh, done previously. And I'm really excited about that. That was brewed uh, yesterday. So Sweet. Um, but yeah, it's not, we're not doing a specific event. We're more or less releasing everything new. And we've made some uh, changes to our look of our menu, um, new beers, um, and yeah, I think that it's kind of just going to be nice to um, take that weekend and reflect with our customers, say, hey, here's here's how far we come. Look at our new menu. And I, I'm really proud of the work that we put in our kitchen manager and uh, my dad. We've uh, spent a lot of time uh, and we think that it's a lot of positive change. So that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So anyone listening? important okay 21st 22nd 23rd of february mm -hmm. uh if you're listening to this it's at least the 16th mm -hmm. uh so you've got a couple days four five six days uh, not six five at the most <laughs> so <laughs> check your watch check your calendar make sure you get down there where else can they find you social media website yep so um at breakwall brewery um is our Instagram tag and Facebook are the same thing. And our website is uh, breakwallbrewery.com. Uh, 
And yeah, you can uh, follow us on there. And my uh, my Instagram is Conrad underscore Breakwall. If you want to see what I'm up to, sweet. Um, I post every now and then. I got to get better at that. Yeah. It's one of the things that I'm uh, working on for 2020. But yeah, sweet. And I have to give you another plug. Mm-hmm. Uh, how if people want to sell a house, right? How do they find you? Um, so you can follow me on house. Instagram or buy a house. Uh, and you can also go to uh, your hometown real estate uh, in Port Coburn. Um, we have a website that we'll be launching, I believe, this week. So by the time people hear this, it'll be live. Uh, we'll also have a Facebook page that will be going live this week. Or you can email me at cdavies at royallepage.ca. Uh, and yeah, I'm uh, it, one of the my uh, selling points as a real estate agent is I'll help you move with the brake wall ban- van and then we'll have a beer afterwards. It's kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of my uh, selling point. <laughs> makes me want to have a 30-year commitment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, you yeah. guys have been listening to Above the Mug. Again, a podcast that highlights positive people. Uh, amazing conversation, Conrad. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right. I'll see you for your beer on the weekend, man. Cheers. Hey, friend. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Above the Mug. For more episodes, check us out at AboveTheMug.com. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, review, comment, tag your friends. This way you're not the only person listening to this thing. We come up with a brand new podcast every Sunday at noon, so we'll see you next week on Above the Mug.